Hello, Internet. Hello, all you denizens out there of geek. Welcome to another episode of the Get Geek Podcast. Uh, this is episode 11 of the Get Geek Podcast, and today we are on part three of our four-part series, reviewing the House of X Powers of Ten recent uh, run of issues that relaunched the uh, Marvel X-Men comics universe. Today we're going to go over House of X 4, Powers of Ten 4, and House of X 5. Um, so yeah, let's, let's just uh, get right into it, shall we? I'm Jose. I'm Wolfie. This is AJ, not as distinguished as last time. <laughs> Eagle Eye. Yeah, boy, this is Walt. What kind of, uh, we have Jamaican Walt here? Yeah, man. <laughs> and, and AJ, the moderately distinguished. <laughs> moderately. <laughs> moderately distinguished. All right, guys. So <clears throat> let's go ahead and jump right in. And let's start, go, uh, me brethren. <laughs> let's go ahead and start. Uh, let's go into uh, a little synopsis of um, uh, House of X, issue four, yep. titled It Will Be Done. So on Krakoa, X and Magneto contact Marvel Girl in order to keep tabs on the mission. If you guys remember, we last left off with uh, the uh, team uh, landing on the uh, mother mold and an explosion being set off, not knowing their fates. Uh, Gene reveals that Archangel and Husk were killed in the explosion set off by Erasmus while Wolverine and Nightcrawler were injured. Deciding that they still need to finish the mission at any cost, Nightcrawler teleports Cyclops, Wolverine, and Mystique into strategic locations in order to destroy the control collars with Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler himself taking the last one and Gene and Monet staying on the ship in order to maintain the connection to Krakoa. Wolverine and Nightcrawler were, are successful in destroying the collars, but the ship is boarded by Orcus forces. Monet puts Jean into an escape pod and fires her away, staying on board in order to cover her escape and buy her time. She transforms into her penance form and begins fighting the humans. Cyclops finds and, and disengage, disengages his control collar, but Mystique, having gotten turned around, is intercepted just as she finds hers and is killed as Dr. Gregor opens a hatch into space. Desperate, the humans power on the mother mold despite not knowing whether it will be sane or not. Xavier tells them to do whatever it takes to stop it. Wolverine and Nightcrawler volunteer to head to the final switch, which is now in a vacuum. Nightcrawler teleports Wolverine onto the collar before getting in being instantly evaporated by the sun, while Wolverine's healing factor buys him enough time to carve through it before he too is evaporated. And as as the now online mother mold hurdles its into the sun while raving maniacally via an Olympian allegory that the machines have found both man and mutant guilty and will destroy them both. With the mission complete, Cyclops tries to find the spacesuit in order to get to Jean's pod so that they can try and make their way home. However, he is intercepted by Dr. Gregor, who shoots and kills him. The Sentinel drones that were mining on Mercury and thus could not reach the station in time to stop the X-Men finally arrive, intercept Jean's pod, and work to kill her. As his protégés have seemingly all died at the hands of the humans once again, Xavier cries and vows, no more. So, guys, what did you guys think? Yeah. What was your initial reactions when you read this issue? <laughs> Everyone is dead. It's insane. If you didn't think that they were dead before, you certainly do now. That's that's one of the things that was kind of crazy, right? Like we're looking at this relaunch and we're like, all right, what's this like where are we going with this and and 
and what's going to happen to the X-Men in this brand new relaunch. And before they're even done with the relaunch, they kill everyone off. It's like, what in the world did I just read? That's that's what I got. Like, as soon as I read this issue, again, I called Walter and I was like, dude, did you read this? You have to read it right now. Just call in sick or something and read this <laughs> so that we can discuss. Because some amazing moments here. It's it's a bold thing to do because you're you're killing off major characters, right? And not just and characters. not just some of them, yeah. all of them, all of them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like they're all gone, and and Wolverine has his hero moment, which is just completely awesome. You know? Yeah, I want to talk about that specifically in a few when we get there. So, one of the, I would say, seminal works of fiction, perhaps of my childhood, was, you know, all, out of movies, books, TV shows, out of anything, was the. 1986 Transformers animated movie. Hey. Oh my gosh! Yes. And why was that? And you, you're gonna probably know what, where I'm going with this. Yeah. Right. Where, right, mm-hmm. Wolf, you're gonna know where I'm going with this because I know exactly. In that cartoon, when you're six, especially, it has an impact because oh everybody dies. Every Transformer yeah. dies. All the all like all the Decepticons, kill, practically all the Autobots, everybody. They kill Optimus Prime like super early on. I was like, yeah. what in the world is going on here? I was like, wait, this is Transformers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, not and sure daddy's transformers. This is this is like an adult version of that. So it's not yeah. as affecting because I'm not six, but it's still like, wow, they just killed off. You know, because they've killed off the X Men before, but like more individually. I mean, they have killed all of them yeah. all before. Or more what if stories usually if also, they do all get killed or like alternate futures. This is just like they're just all dead in one mission. Like one mission, they all die. I mean, also the way that they died. Like, some of them died yeah. with, like, some extreme finality, you know, which we'll get Ooh. to. So, um, so by being outsmarted. Yeah. But they also had their hero moments. Yes. Right? They, they all had hero moments. So, they let's all, go ahead. Each and every one of them did, you know? Except for Mystique. Yeah, well. Right? You know. Well, she got she got done the worst. She got spaced. She yeah. got sent down I don't space. know, man. I think that, like, uh, well, the worst in terms Nightcrawler of, Nightcrawler like, and Wolverine kind of got it pretty bad. The, the worst, the worst. <laughs> no, you know what? Actually, nah. I think Cyclops got it the worst. Well, you know why? Also, the worst in terms of embarrassment as well. Like a mix of embarrassment okay. and like getting blasted painfully or burnt by the sun or whatever else. <laughs> yeah. In terms of deaths. Mystique was just like, I'll take care right. of this. No, you're in space. I mean, I, I really like uh, how they did this because, as you know, I really like dark endings and how uh, main characters die, uh, especially the good ones. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and that's, that's why... Huh? No. <laughs> yeah, and I especially... I, I liked, uh, like, maybe Wolverine and Nightcrawler's death because it right, seems right. very, like... I don't know. It, I don't know what they were trying to do, but it seemed like they were trying to break off the... Well, they, they accomplished their goal, mm-hmm. which is, like, they're trying yeah. to, like, destroy the collars. Yeah, the collars. Uh, of each one of the, the, the sections of the uh, Mother Mold so that, so that it doesn't come online, right? Like, the idea is, that, like, if they can destroy it, they can stop Nimrod from coming online. Yeah. Um, which is, like, I guess, like, the seminal moment in, 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 in the future of when they believe that um, the, basically all is lost when it comes to, 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 the, to the mutants surviving, right? So... Hey, what, anything, what specifically uh, struck out at you? Is there any specific, like, panels uh, or sections of this issue that you guys liked or want to talk about? I uh, really... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, AJ. Go ahead. I really like how the, mother, how the mother mold was really trying to preach to Wolverine at the end. You, we have judged you and found you wanting. Blah! It gets burned <laughs> in the sun. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Found that to be a pretty cool moment. That is that that. I mean, it's also one of those things too. Like, it's not just uh, they're not just like trying to destroy a machine. They're destroying like an actual AI that's trying to come into existence. So, uh, yeah, I think it's that 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 was pretty cool. Anybody uh, like anything else? Anything of note? Because there is one section that I want to read for our readers that are reading along. I will say this: um, the guys that do the art on this, they're just absolutely killing it. Oh man, yeah, um, they are. And one they really one are. example that I have, I love the way they represent the conversation that Jean Grey is having with the bass. The way yes. that they do it, it, it is just a beautiful way of of showing that that telepathy that they're having. You know, I wanted to actually speak about that, too, because the way that they're doing it, to describe it for some of our uh, listeners that aren't that aren't reading along, you should be reading along, but if you're just listening to get a quick take on the books... Get to uh, reading! The uh, So what Xavier has done is that he has, back in Krakoa, Xavier and Magneto are still on the base while they have... Um, I believe Storm creating a pool of liquid so that they can visually see what Jean Grey is communicating to them. Um, and uh, I believe they can even feel the pains. But it, it, it's it's a beautiful image of like a whirlpool, a whirlpool of water that formulates the image of uh, the anguish that Jean Grey is going through and stuff. So... Uh, it, yeah, they they did amazing with that, the artwork. Yeah, yeah, I'm on right that there. panel right there. Actually, that is yeah, beautiful. That is really really. Yeah, we're looking at a panel on page 18. Um, I think we'll definitely put this one up because this is one of those awesome shots where we have the actual image of Jean Grey communicating to Professor X, and then the whirlpool image that Storm is recreating for them so that they can see exactly what they're going through and not just sit back and wait for the communique of the mm-hmm. mission and stuff so one of uh, one of the big moments for me also is Jean Grey related in this uh, issue is the end of the issue actually when Jean Grey when the Sentinels finally arrive they arrive late obviously to take out the rest of the X-Men Jean is basically the only one left and on the final page of this issue you see um, as Cyclops gets blasted by the other guards on the on the mother mold. Yeah, the Orcus guards. Uh, You see his visor in her mind's eye on that last panel. Right, right, yes, yes, yes. And she screams out. Like You see half of his visor and half of her face, and then you see the Sentinels arrive and grab onto the escape pod that she's on, and then you see, you know, one of the most powerful mutants just in terror as the pod is getting crushed by the Sentinels. That's that's a, a really awesome. Well, all the artwork is really great in this issue. One of the best issues I think in terms of artwork. But that's a great moment in this issue, in my opinion, among many great moments. So, oh, no, go on. You you go. No, so I wanted I was gonna go on to uh, the um, the scene with, uh, or rather the panels where we have the I guess the climax essentially or. Close to the climax. I would say this is the climax of the book, which is uh, the uh, Cyclops and Wolverine coming to the actual Mother Mold. Um, So in this situation, uh, Mother Mold is coming online, and they don't know what to do. So Jean asks Professor, what what do they do? And he says, do whatever it takes. Jean communicates back to Scott. "Uh, Did you get that? And Scott just replies, yeah. Now from here, we have Scott 
and Wolverine looking through a uh, through a window, looking at the mother mold coming online. And um, all we see here is, you know, like Cyclops doesn't really know what to do. You can see it in his face. Uh, he's just looking down, not understanding what to do, not knowing, not wanting wanting to be the one to make the decision. Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, I don't remember too much. Maybe maybe you can enlighten us. Did they know exactly how big and massive this thing was before they got there? I don't, I don't think that they knew because so they didn't even know the location of it until they got the information from Moira, if you remember. So that's probably why he's looking at this and saying, what the hell have we gotten ourselves into? I don't know. Maybe, but I think, I think he knows what he needs to do, and he woman, just doesn't want to make the decision, yeah. which is he needs to ask Wolverine to take care of this and they did know it was going to be a one-way trip right yeah yeah i was going to say that they said mm -hmm. that essentially professor x and magneto said that before they left and yeah. then here's the thing too that like without scott saying without cyclops saying anything to wolverine wolverine is the one that says ain't any other way slim and cyclops says go such a wolverine moment and then we have nightcrawler and wolverine looking through the window and nightcrawler says to wolverine you ready wolverine asks so i gotta ask you still think there's something waiting for us on the other side and nightcrawler replies worried about your soul logan and wolverine says just wondering what someone like me should expect and nightcrawler says when you wake from this earthly slumber my friend look for me i will be there waiting for you and nightcrawler teleports him to the uh, mother mold and as he does he says radiant and with open arms when they get there, Nightcrawler, again, as we mentioned, instantly evaporated through because they're in space and he's evaporated by the sun. And Wolverine, while he's also being evaporated, we see just his skeleton and his claws. He's clawing at the mother mold, try, mother mold, trying to destroy it while the mother mold is speaking to him. And in his berserker rage, destroying it right before he is utterly destroyed himself. And I think this was one of the most amazing few pages that i've read in in comic books in a long long time and and again we're not even done with this series this is the middle of the series which is crazy so that's it's just crazy phenomenal there was a lot of action in this issue a lot a this lot was an action. action i mean this was freaking oh this was freaking awesome this could be a movie no lie like yeah. two episodes i mean two um comics definitely a movie they, they really honored wolverine and nightcrawler as well like because uh, real comic fans know that Wolverine and Nightcrawler are best friends. So, like, right. this is a really awesome moment that honors that friendship and that they make the sacrifice together. So I think that makes this moment way more awesome and way more powerful. Uh, any other takeaways? Aside from the very last panel where we have... We still haven't seen Xavier's face yet. We've only seen him forever in the Cerebral Helmet. But we see the emotion finally coming from him when he sees tears running down his face. And he says, no more. You know, that's the only time that I think that we've seen some actual emotion from Xavier as of yet. So outside of that, any, any other takeaways, guys? I actually have one question. So I'm actually looking at what the Mother Mold said in the moments before its death. And I just want to know if, if, like, this makes any, well, not that it makes any sense, but if this is what I think it is. It says here, if man made me then they are God, and you are Titans. Their spoiled lineage, their spoiled lineage. But while you war, presumably talking about both of them, we children, presumably talking about the Sentinels, mm -hmm. uh, 
sit in judgment above above of those above us. We find both wanting. Now, I didn't exactly register that at first, but does that mean it's judging both man and mutants? Yes, yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly why the mother mold is. That's why Nimrod is is is, is the eventuality, uh, and Nimrod takes basically destroys the humans and the mutants. He's like a whole separate a humanoid being. Because he realizes that like humans and, and mutants are both wrong in their point of view. They judge and destroy them. So essentially, if, if humans and mutants could find a way to coexist, they would both have to try to stop Nimrod. You know? And unfortunately, uh, since human civilization has a way of like kind of utterly destroying themselves, in this iteration, they're destroying themselves without realizing it by creating the Mother Mold, which then creates Nimrod which the mutants are trying to stop. But yeah, essentially he is talking about, the mother mold rather yeah. is talking about both humans and mutants alike. Gotcha, yeah. okay. It's very much uh, seemingly like a, a, like a biblical allegory also with him judging the creators and also maybe a, a commentary on supposed the, the nature of perhaps all things with uh, master and creator and that the, the created, I guess, will eventually try to grow beyond those that created them, judge them. It's, it's the same thing that you see in a lot of other sci-fi with AI and stuff like that, Terminator 2 and things like that. So it's another example of that. that. It's another good example of that. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, with that, we now move on to Powers of Ten, issue four. Before we move on, I just want to mention this one panel that I really found interest to uh, when I just found it, like, literally just two minutes ago. Um, There's this scene, there's this panel where it just shows all the deaths, all the major deaths of uh, all the main, or most of the main characters in this uh, comic book. um, uh, All their deaths. And it says... it, it reminds me a lot of um, a newspaper, almost, in a way. Because you have, like, little titles and then, like, this, subtitles. And this, oh, is yeah. the, this is the, at the very end of the book, right? This is at the end the of the book. The statistics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it talks about Genosha. Um, talks about uh, the decimation, apparently. Um, and how the... It says 16.5 million dead and one million depowered right which i right. have no idea what that means <laughs> so it's uh, house, somebody... of, house of m yeah house of m was a huge moment and event in in in, in oh. x-men history no more um, which you know what maybe we should maybe we'll save that for a later day we'll we'll maybe we can do a uh another comic book review we'll read house of m for you guys and uh give you guys a little bit of a synopsis yeah especially yeah. since um it's increasingly looking like wandavision is going to Right. Somewhat yeah, maybe actually, tie into that. You know, I think that this would be. Ooh, I wonder if WandaVision is gonna kind of destroy and retcon more mutants. You know, all the mutants, <laughs> forcing the Dawn of X to be brought into the MCU. Yeah, we've said that a long time. I know you've so mentioned it before, but I don't know why it's clicking for me now. Maybe it's the coffee I'm drinking, but no, no, you know. No, no, no. <laughs> I think we mentioned this like what in the. Other podcasts we've that we had. We mentioned it a few times, especially <clears throat> as we've seen more and more of the concept art, and we've heard yeah. more and more from Kevin Feige about right, how it's right, going right. to work. Nah, so it's cool. of no more mutants, it's more mutants. Yep. 
All mutants. So, All the mutants. Right, let's move on. Powers of Ten, Woo! issue four. Yeah, okay? baby. Something sinister. Uh, let me just preface by saying this is one of my favorite issues in the series. Yeah. <laughs> simply because of the levity that it provides after the depression that the last issue gave us, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to also quickly say, like, this is... This issue features one of my favorite non-action moments. Uh, and there's another one that's coming up that we'll talk about when we get there. But like, yeah, in terms of moments that don't feature action or deaths or anything like that, this issue is, is really awesome. All right, so we go back to powers, the Powers of Ten format, which is uh, sectionalized in the year one, year 10, year 100, year 1000 um, timelines of the uh, X-Men. So. Uh, in the year one section, we have X and Magneto seeking Mr. Sinister's assistance to build a database of mutant DNA. He declines and is killed by another Mr. Sinister who claims to be the original version of himself. When, when we see them get to this layer, we see a bunch of Mr. Sinister's left and right, which is kind of cool. And we'll talk a little bit more about that a little later. Um, that version of Mr. Sinister rapidly or readily agrees to help. And Xavier then wipes his memory of their meeting from Mr. Sinister's mind. Hmm. Something sinister. <laughs> uh, year 10. Several months ago, X and Cypher traveled to the sentient island of Krakoa. X brought Cypher deep into the island to meet the entity of Krakoa. Cypher conversed with Krakoa as he learned its language and some of its history. He revealed to X and Krakoa... He re sorry. He revealed to X that Krakoa was once an island... Once, once one island, Okara, that was split into two islands named Arako and Krakoa by the arrival of an enemy. The enemy sought to destroy the world and was stopped by the arrival of Apocalypse and his four horsemen. Later, X telepathically revealed his plans to Cypher. He tasked Cypher with building an interface system on Krakoa to allow the mutants to communicate with the island. And Cypher successfully creates a program that allows mutants to interact with the island without his help. Additionally, Cypher helped create four systems, transit and monitoring, defense and observation, secondary and external systems, and overwatch and data analysis controlled by Sage, Black Tom Cassidy, Trinity, and Beast. There are rumors, too, that Forge built a large subterranean laboratory to help build biological machines as well. So we got a lot of information in this section on, and a lot of world building, too. Uh, in year 1000... Wait, do we skip? Do we not get year 100 in this one? Oh, I guess not. Year 1000, the librarian offers himself to the phalanx in hopes of ascension and offers an orb. The phalanx assimilates it and transforms into a large spherical shape, confusing the assembled group as well as us. <laughs> yep. The group explains that the phalanx only absorb machine intelligence they find useful, and the librarian has created an empty vessel and copied himself over into it in the hopes of ascension. They await for the phalanx to decide if the form is acceptable. Yeah, um, remember really quickly that year 100, we kind of saw the end of that, in quotes. Oh, Moira. that's right. That's Moira's, right. Uh, year 100 doesn't matter anymore. In quotes, right? I almost forgot about that. Yeah, so I guess... I don't remember if they pick it up again, but it's not in this issue. No, I, I, I would assume that it doesn't, actually, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that, that timeline already ends. Yeah. So, and that timeline yeah. is ended, at least in the perspective that they were telling it from. Um, so yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the Mr. Sinister section. It was a small oh. section, but it was a lot of fun. So good. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is my favorite, my, my second favorite non-action sequence, like I said, in, this, in these issues. 
Um, I, I really like. Uh, I, I just want to highlight a couple of moments. I really like how Magneto messes up the first Mister Sinister. That's the guard at the door because he starts to make fun of Charles. Right, that's pretty cool. Um, I like how Mr. Sinister that's sitting on the throne that claims to be the real Mr. Sinister executes his servant Mr. Sinister with the awesome mustache <laughs> because he likes Magneto's cape and the servant tells him that right, he, he that's always right. should Actually, have a cape. You know what? Let's, let's go ahead and read that panel so real quick. Great. So good. Uh, let me see if I can find this. Top. That should be... Oh, right, right here. There. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> This is so funny, actually. So, all right. So we have the uh, servant Mr. Sinister, the one that's greeting... Uh, or rather escorting uh, Exa Magneto to the uh, Mr. Sinister that's on the throne. And he says, Mr. Sinister, I present to you mutants Magneto and Professor Charles Xavier. And uh, I believe this might be Magneto that's saying, hello, thank you for seeing us. We've come to, and then Sinister says, stop, before either of you says another world word. I want to make one thing perfectly clear. And then he says, I love that cape amazing why do i not have one of these capes how do i not have a cape and his mustached servant says it's a crime sir an outrage honestly i've always thought you should wear one and sinister replies well if you really thought that why didn't you say something and now nervously the mustache sinister says uh it slipped my mind and mr sinister says execute this man and they presume to start executing and ripping him away, which is, it's so wrong that we think it's so funny, but it's hilarious. It's so, we, like, it's funny because we, I'm looking at the panel and all you see is a silhouette of them destroying this poor guy. And all I see in words are chop, chop, chop. Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes it even more funny, the chop, chop, chop. And so then he turns back to Professor X and Magneto and he says, how can I help you? As if nothing dramatic just happened. So Sinister is seriously channeling uh, the Queen of Hearts from, uh, what was it, Alice in Wonderland? Yep. You know? Yes, yes. Off with his head. Off with her head and stuff like that. No, he, uh, how, so. how about this for fan casting? I mean, when I see these panels, all I think about is Jim Carrey's face on Mr. Sinister's body. I don't, it might I don't work. Know. Oh, man, that I would. How, I, 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 I think that can work. That. that can work, I think, because, you know? like, over here in these He's few so moments that we have. He's so right? Yeah, it's <laughs> so <laughs> funny. Oh, I can just God. see it now. Jim Carrey just, just walking around saying, execute this man. And then Jim Carrey killing himself, right? Exactly, because we just you know? see <laughs> next, after Mr. Sinister says, you know, absolutely not. I'm not going to work with you guys. Forget about your deal. The next panel is blam. And we see he's like shot in the head, I guess. And we have another Mr. Sinister that says he won't, but I will. <laughs> and he agrees to work with them. And then he sits on the throne. Oh, man. So good. Such a vital scene, too, because of the, the reveal of what it is that they're visiting him for. Um, they do reveal that in this. Right, I in think this panel, right, or is that coming a later panel? I hope I'm yeah. not confusing myself. <laughs> no, I think um, they do. They do mention it because um, Charles speaks to him and says, "Well, I know you're cataloging." Um, right. So, the, yeah, so, right. so yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So okay. it's, it's in this issue. Yeah. So, so Mr. Sinister is cataloging all mutant DNA all over the world, mm -hmm. and he just came to tell him, "We want you to keep doing this, um, and just partner up with us so that we can keep that catalog for ourselves as well." Yeah, dude. Yeah. Don't so, stop. Just keep yeah, going. Just basically, yeah. You know? So he's just making sure that he's going to continue doing this. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, once he agrees that he's going to do it, uh, Xavier then wipes his mind of this memory altogether. 
So misses the reason. Yeah. Yeah. At least mm-hmm. the, at least the reason why he's going to be doing it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I just, I have to use this like every once a a, a podcast. So no. so um, there's a, there's this one panel no. that I really like and all. Here it all, comes. Well, what's the panel first? Um, it's. It's the panel with Mr. Sinister saying, um, uh, but I will, right? And all I have Don't to say it. is... Don't do it. No. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. literally, after each, after whatever he does to the last min- Mr. Sinister, Mr. Sinister, I just really like his face in this scene. Yeah, <laughs> that boy. is a really funny face. <laughs> He's just literally just smiling <laughs> like nothing happened. <laughs> And the full cape. <laughs> yeah, he has the actual oh, cape. cape. He has the cape. <laughs> All right, so uh, from there, before we get into year 100, there is something really cool that we see here. We're not going to actually talk about it. We, I think what we'll do is we'll post it on our IG uh, when we drop the episode. Um, but it's the Red Diamond, which apparently is uh, the best news and gossip from Bar Sinister. All the best news and which gossip. Which is funny. And we have a list of 10 sinister secrets and we have no idea what these secrets reveal but it's awesome because what this does is it gives us little bits of information for the future obviously it's for the future of x-men like i think some of this stuff will come out uh somewhere and um i do love the first one though well let's read the first one let's read the, uh, the a couple so the great. first one sinister secret number one he's trying to pretend that no one noticed he was wearing red shoes but this truly sinister sinister isn't fooling anyone <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, uh, where? Uh, ooh, sinister secret number eight. For years, this fittest of all mutant has routinely surrounded himself with a particular numbered entourage. These hangers-on stick around for a while until they are eventually replaced with newer, more exciting members. What most people don't know is that if the original members returned, these pretenders would be dropped so fast their heads would spin. And so we get little secrets like this, which are really cool because it makes you think and question, like, what team is he talking about? Who is this mutant that he's talking about? You know, it's it's or is this a good guy, a bad guy, good team, bad team? We don't know yet, but uh, they give us like all these little tidbits, um, which is, again, one of these data dumps. And it's 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 a really cool way of giving us a data dump and these little breadcrumbs to keep us wanting more from the issues that uh, we'll be launching um, as part of the Dawn of X. So, right, right. I, I like that one, too, because, if you again, if you're a fan, you know the fittest of all reference. You know what mutant would say something like that. And then we see that a little bit later. Go yeah. ahead, Walt. No, I, I was just saying, Does I'm, I'm looking at the first page of the Red Diamond, right? Um, does this mean that Thunderbird is reporting on this? Is he like the, uh, the oh. guy on the scene? Mm, I wonder. You know that's, that, yeah. Because... That's freaking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I I, I want to read. I want to read Sinister Secret number ten, by yeah, the way, which I was is funny. Say that. <laughs> Sinister Secret number ten, which brainwashed mutant Sinister was replaced long before a certain bald someone knew, and has been in on the game for almost as long as the game was being played. <laughs> so here, did Xavier uh, brainwash the right Sinister? Hmm. I think we just got a clue that he did not. The plot thickens. Yeah. Yes. Just little breadcrumbs. So now going on to like the next section, which is the year 100. Um, right? Year 100. Yes. Yeah, year 10. Year 10. Year 10? Yeah, yeah, year 10. Sorry. Year 100 is the one that's uh, deleted. It's mm-hmm. been canceled. Yep. 
So year 10 is where uh, Xavier is on Krakoa. He's basically creating the island of Krakoa. Um, this was cool to me just because of the, again, like the world building, the history of Krakoa. Because I don't think that like Krakoa has been around in X-Men history for a really long time, but kind of like a sub character. Uh, weren't they? Weren't they against? Wasn't it against? Was it like a villain? well? It was like it was basically a villain. Yeah, yeah like right. it was like yeah. you know a sub character, just one of those filler mm-hmm. stories and stuff like that. And just like we'll see, kind of in the future, a lot of these like characters that were part of X Men history are now being brought to the forefront as really, really, really important, necessary pieces for the yep. future of this yeah. uh, this new X Men relaunch. Just like Moira. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Krakoa. And so we get a little history on Krakoa. Is showing that like this is an ancient island. I mean, if 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 Apocalypse is the first mutant, how did Krakoa exist before him? Then, yeah, wouldn't Krakoa then be the first mutant? Yes, yeah, Krakoa is a mutant island, right? Yeah, it's a mutant. Well, it's a mutant, but yeah. So mutant is there island, like yeah. a technicality there? I don't know. I guess. First I mean, because if, if you man. remember in I forgot what issues of Powers. I think it was the last. It was Powers three, mm-hmm. where we see Krakoa as a group like creature. You know, and even over here, we see Krakoa with a face. Like, he's yeah. basically a giant tree. So, he mm-hmm. chooses the form that he is, um, and he just kind of chose to be an island, I guess. I maybe maybe Apocalypse is faking the funk over here. Yeah. Maybe the first humanoid mutant is the best The best mm. you can say here. Yeah, I guess. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. A mutant takes all shapes and forms. I would like to mention something. Um, I, th- I don't know what page it's on, so hold on. Just give me a second. Uh, 17 page 17 there's one part that i really that i really like and i'm really interested in and it's the part with um how they mentioned the war on krakoa and on that krakoa krakoa <laughs> Kra- yeah, yeah. Kr- krakoa yeah no you got it it's just so funny how you said it at first krakoa 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 uh yeah i really like this because it seems like really dark and it, oh yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Actually, yeah, you're right. You that back panel, to the darkness, where huh? they show yeah. that, like, Demons. that that the it's, it, yeah, we that's see what I was we see kind of a volcanic kind of look. Everything is red and black silhouettes, uh, a being with a sword, uh, and we see Apocalypse fighting these. It's interesting. I'd like to know like more about this uh, of uh, this war that happened where Apocalypse fought for Kakor. I guess this should be a so movie. Again, so. they they referenced the first mutant. In yes, panel. yes, yes. You know yeah. so, so very interesting. Um, hmm. Where, where, where are humans here? Does this mean that mutants actually came before humans? Well, the, maybe on maybe maybe on this island. We don't know where every you know because I mean when no. Apocalypse came about, like humans were around already. He was already on a uh, on an effort to to you know take over civilization right, right actually so. but these um these these figures here don't look they look like demonic they're human. Exactly. No, they're, that's a, that's why i want to know more like about humans. it that's a good point Eli. So. The, there's yeah it's it's actually not yeah, mutants uh, because they actually state it in comic books after it's who, not mutants who are at mutants? all Huh? Who, who are you mean the the like, demons the, no like this is nothing to do with mutants like what? this whole entire war no, right, that's what that's what yeah. that's what I'm saying. I'd like to know more about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just you have to look into it in the future. Is there? He's the first. Yeah, looking badass, I might say. With those two swords, right? <clears throat> Hell yeah! I want to see this other. Al Sabanur. All right, so yeah, boy. <laughs> All right, so oh man, I don't think I get like that from now on. I'm gonna have like a Jamaican apocalypse in my head when I read them. <laughs> 
He's not Al Sabanur. He is, I'm Al Sabanur. <laughs> yeah, man, apocalypse. <laughs> rocking you, rocking you. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so we, okay. uh, I don't want to spend too much time on year 1000 because I'm still confused by it. I don't get it. Uh, but we get a little bit more. Uh, AJ, you want to speak on this a little bit? Um, we start off by seeing this again, this being that represents the phalanx, speaking to uh, this, uh, what is it, the uh, librarian? Mm hmm. Um, and, and what is it, 368, uh, <laughs> from Halo? Oh, yeah. Throw, uh, 343. 343, uh, Guilty Spark. Guilty Spark, yeah. So, uh, take us through this, AJ, because I'm so, so confused. apparently, uh, according to one of the, one of those info dumps that I read, there are, like, several tiers of society. Yes, yes. This is like what close to the highest one, I believe mm -hmm. so. Right. Yeah. And so these guys, humans, being ever the overachievers, want to become a part of the cool kids club. And so, in order to become a part of the cool kids club, they have to prove that they're worthy. And so, in a very weird techno-y fashion, the phalanx has to judge whether or not they're worthy of being incorporated, or else they'll just dust them. Right. I mean, it's 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 kind of I mean, I guess this is more world building, but like mm -hmm. this is like universe building. So this is like yeah. kind of, I think, oh, yeah. explaining to us in this universe. I, I mean, assuming this is still like generally part of the Marvel universe. Right. Mm -hmm. They're telling us that at the at the highest stage that we can achieve societal from a societal standpoint past that. The only thing that we have is what they call the ascension, which is where. Uh, the civilization or the society then becomes a part of the phalanx, which is like I guess like they get absorbed digitally or something like that, yeah. right? Yeah, like so. It's almost like a hive mind. Yeah, it and is a hive mind thing. Guys, it is a hive they, mind thing. They exist in like black holes, and they they reach out interdimensionally and stuff, right? Is, is that, that sounds right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they it's basically works, the right? the phalanx basically absorbs information for the future evolution of the universe's brain i guess but anyway it's it's still a little it, it's it's Weird. a little bit it's a little bit clearer but at the same time um i'm not sure i still don't understand where we're going with this yeah. so. i i kind of i i don't want to talk about it it's really hard not to talk about it but it's all in the last issue man well, yes, no, I, I, I do know that it is, but it's still like when you think about it, it's like, all right, like where exactly, like how is this coming into play in the Marvel Universe? Because this is very obviously, you know, this isn't separate from the Marvel Universe. And we're right. talking about the Phalanx is part of the entire actual universe. It's mm -hmm. not part of a galaxy. It's part of the whole universe. Right. right. And I think that's important because we're talking about Asgard. We're talking about like, you know, um, oh, my God, where's like. In, in X-Men lore, like, where all the amazing OP, the Shi'ar, the Shi'ar Empire. Empire, and, like, all this stuff is below the phalanx, mm -hmm. right? So I'd like to see where this is going. So doesn't doesn't he have... I was looking at this panel, and, and I look at this, and his design looks very much like Galactus's. A little um, bit, yeah, that's true. That helmet thing. Yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, it's just I, that's true. That's a good point. I wanted to state that because I noticed that the mask looked um weirdly familiar for at least all three of them. 
because uh, if you see one of them has like a punk, punk uh, spiky hair mohawk, mm-hmm. and then another one has like this weird sort of like, yeah, um, I don't know what to call it. It's the one. Go back. Uh, that the one, one back there. Yeah, the one to the left. Oh, look, and that one looks even more like uh, Galactus. Galactus, right? yeah. And, and don't they mention Galactus yeah. in one of the info dumps also? I think they mentioned that he's like one of the one of the only things that the phalanx is is afraid of. <clears throat> there's like Galactus, and I think there's somebody else, right? That's true. I remember you saying, yeah, yeah, I remember that part. Oh, so, but it's it's an interesting it's an interesting little thing how. Again, humans are trying to overextend themselves, yeah. you know, well, and join this hive mind because it, you're basically just giving yourself up at this point. Right, because right? At, at this point, like the society, they've already, they have their society. They have like, this is the most advanced that the society can get to, right? Mm-hmm. But they still want more, all based out of greed and power. You Which know? is a, a human so, thing to do, right? Yeah. So anyway, so that's uh, issue uh, five. Four of Powers of Ten. And the last issue that we're going to review today is going to be House of X-5, titled Society. So uh, so this one's going to be a little bit of a longer synopsis because this is a very, very key issue. This is where we get a big, big drop and reveal as to how this uh, new X-Men world is going to work. So pay attention, kids. All right, so... <clears throat> On Krakoa, X, Magneto, and Storm, and Polaris assemble and are joined by five other mutants. Ava Bell, Proteus, Hope Summers, Elixir, and Gold Balls. Hmm. Magneto explains that the five mutants collectively known as the Five, they should start a band with that name, are able to revive deceased mutants. Gold Balls creates unviable eggs, which Proteus and a Professor X husk makes viable using his powers. The preserved DNA of a mutant is then injected into the eggs, and the elixir initiates cellular replication while Ava Bell uses her powers to accelerate their growth. Hope uses her powers to create the others, operate at their peak, and in unison allowing them to revive any deceased mutants. Magneto further explains that X has been using Cerebro to copy the minds of any mutants found so that he can put their mind back into these... (coughs) Sorry. So that he can put their mind back into these empty shells as needed. X watches over several beings emerging from the eggs. To me, my X-Men, and we go back to that very first opening page of the uh, House of X-1. He says, as, he says this as they crawl towards him, and he places Cyclops' visor on him and watches as the group stands, thanking them all. Now, this is important, right? Because this is why Xavier has been wearing his uh, Cerebro helmet at all times. So that he can constantly be copying and, ba- and, and backing up all of the uh, mutant minds. Storm brings the five and revived mutants out, proudly announcing that the five has allowed the nation of Krakoa to defeat death. She then introduces the revived mutants individually to the assembled crowd, assuring the, the crowd that they are the mutants that they've known. X and Magneto watch the events from afar and discuss what remains unfinished. They discuss the upcoming United Nations vote on Krakoa's inclusion into the organization. Magneto asks if Charles is worried, but Xavier simply says that today he is filled with hope. The revived mutants enter the crowd as as Storm calls them the heroes of Krakoa. 
At the UN headquarters, X, Beast, and Emma Frost celebrate with other ambassadors for gaining recognition of Krakoa as a nation. X and Emma telepathically discuss the events as Emma hints she manipulated the Russian ambassador to abstain from the vote. X thanks her for her work and promises that he has bold plans for her in the future. Informational pages reveal that over 100 countries accepted a trade deal with Krakoa and that several others are still negotiating trade deals. They also reveal that several countries rejected trade deal for ideological and political reasons, including Iran, North Korea, Latveria, Russia, Brazil, and Honduras. Wakanda alone rejected a trade deal, stating that they did not need the mutant drugs, as did its three, its three economic protectorates, Azania, Canaan, and Kenya. Two days after the UN vote, X, Magneto, and Wolverine wait at several portals. Wolverine expresses his misgivings about the upcoming event, but X and Magneto assure him that all will be all right. Soon after, several villainous mutants, including Mr. Sinister, Sebastian Shaw, Exodus, Selene, and Apocalypse arrive through the portals. Apocalypse expresses satisfaction at arriving, and Krakoa responds in the same way. Magneto and Xavier reveal that they have invited all mutants to Krakoa to form a society, including past opponents. The assembled villainous mutants agree to their terms, and Xavier shakes Apocalypse's hand, welcoming him and the others to their home. Wow. This is one of those things that I don't think anybody could ever have imagined would happen. The team-up. The team-up of Apocalypse and every single opponent that we've that the X-Men have ever had all on one cause. Don't give me that eh. There's no way you could have predicted that. <laughs> so, discuss. What did you guys think of the issue overall? What did you guys think of the idea that mutants are no longer... Uh, that basically everyone's immortal, essentially. You know? With an asterisk, of course. What the hell? <laughs> so? Like... Well, let me ask first. What, what, did you, what do you guys think of the idea of the five? Um, I think that's a very interesting way to, like... Because I'm assuming that Gold Balls, uh, I heard you guys talking about this one time, his powers were very unclear, and you didn't really, you just made Gold Balls. So now they kind of gave him purpose? So, uh, right. So here we go again with, like, giving them actual really important purpose, right? So uh, what happens in, what's happened a lot over the years in mutant, uh, in, 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 in mutant comic books, let's say, um, in X-Men comic books is that whenever they need to create a story for whatever reason, they just do something to fit the mold. And because there's supposed to be millions of mutants in the world, uh, they just, you know, pick a being, give them mutant powers, whether they're good or bad or funny. And Gold Balls was one of those mutants that, um, that uh, if... <clears throat> Sorry, we just dropped a cup with something, but... Clean up, clean up on aisle uh, table red. Um, but anyway, going back to Gold Balls. Gold Balls was one of those mutants that was kind of like a gag mutant. All he did was literally create these golden eggs that did nothing. They, you know, he was kind of like a cheesy character for some story, who knows what, and really not cared for. But here, it turns out that he is the most important mutant in all mutants, even more so than Moira. Because without his... Uh, Balls, which aren't balls, they're actually eggs. They're golden eggs that are. Please that say that again, Gabe. <laughs> Without his gold balls. One more time. No, that's not how you said it. Can you say it the way you said it before? Without please? his balls. Thank you. <laughs> We're gonna record. We're gonna take that clip. I'm gonna post it on Instagram daily. This guy's balls are the most important. 
<laughs> the most important balls in the history of all X-Men. Thank you, Gabe. <laughs> Without this man's balls, <laughs> we do not have the Dawn of X. And he's got some big balls, doesn't he's he? He's got some big balls. <laughs> So uh, it's funny. I mean, like, I think I it think it's funny. a. I think it's cool. I love that again. I love that they're giving every single mutant yeah. an important uh, piece of the puzzle. I think this is this is also one of those things that, like, you know, if you really think about the purpose of why X Men comics were created, is to show that no matter who you are, you're important. Mm-hmm. And they're actually kind of breathing life back into that whole idea by making every single mutant actually important, not yeah. just. You know, some some character they can they can use for like a, a one-off story. I mean, even the even the comic book references that because the panel itself says Pablo Medina had a seemingly benign and pointless power. He could make golden balls appear. What type of balls? Golden balls. Wait, how does he make? Does he make them appear with his hands, or do they come like in between, from his legs, like? Does Listen, he open up his legs and they just drop? I'll, I'll let you handle the anatomy of this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm assuming he just makes them appear. Uh, okay, moving on. Okay, so this this is this a spoiler to say? No, I don't think it's a spoiler to say. This is my absolute favorite issue. Oh, really? Okay. Of all of them. This is this is my absolute favorite issue. Um, this this run of three actually is is fantastic. Yeah, it this is. Run of it three is. episodes. It absolutely is. Um, but this is my favorite because first of all we get that WTF moment with how um, first of all we like kind of almost started there like the two me my X Men. Mm-hmm. We were yeah, wondering what right. on earth that was. It, it, it finally comes full, cir- full circle, right? Yeah. Which is huge, and the way that they do it is pretty awesome. The, like you guys both mentioned, the way that they made gold balls. Um, have a purpose again it's true they're giving mutants that never really had much of a purpose something to do and something of some importance we'll say and then um, the scene with Emma Frost is great and then Apocalypse at the end I'll just say it now like that's an amazing panel of him shaking Professor X's hand that is, oh, a, yeah, that that's is a, a really that's good one. What's the yeah. line? What's the line? I, just, I want to read. I think the line there is fantastic. And probably is my favorite line in this whole thing also. Um, before he shakes before he shakes Professor X's hand. Yes. <clears throat> it's actually... I'm going to read about a, a, about a page really quickly. Um, so on page 27, I believe. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Magneto says... This is fitting, for we have fought for something as well and gained it. I want to be clear here, Apocalypse. We will not risk losing this place because some of you might not value what is being offered. And Wolverine get, goes in customary Wolverine manner. So, is that going to be a problem? He turns to Apocalypse and says that. And then Apocalypse says, and why would it be, Wolverine? And this is, this is the part that I really love. For centuries I have fostered war and conflict, all in the hopes of mutantdom, finally asserting dominance over this world. Now look at you. Look at all of you. You have finally become what I intended you to be. I could not be more proud. Like, and then, and then Magneto goes, we need to hear the words. And Apocalypse says, finally, we submit to the laws of this land, be what they may, and acknowledge that from this day forward, we all serve a higher purpose than want or need. One people from this day forward. That whole that whole I just got part, incredible, incredible. Yeah, I just setting got up to that 
Oh man, that's a wonderful shot. That Jeez. panel, that the, final panel. The X Men villains tend to be a little bit deeper, in my opinion, because just like you said, mm. Apocalypse, he's never been one of these, you know, twirl your mustache type of villains, right? That's sinister. And well, yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. exactly. You know, but you look at him and, and Magneto; they're both villainy. Their villainy is really. It's kind idealistic, of, exactly. You know, and the thing is, is that, like, it's not so much that they're 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 villains, but they're only villains because of perspective and point of view. Exactly. You know, the same way, the same way that Xavier is a villain to the humans. Yep. Everything is just a point of view and perspective. Exactly. Right? So the same way they made Thanos more relatable in the MCU. Right. So, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Absolutely. gonna play devil's advocate here, and let me ask you guys a question: <laughs> Do you think that? And I, I, I love this issue, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. right? But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out there because the idea of um, the X-Men, um, what was that? Okay, anyway, <laughs> whatever. Um, the idea the, that the X-Men are basically immor- immortal, right? Yeah. It, doesn't it kind of like lower the stakes for anything that they do going so- forward? Because they can go on these suicide runs and you hey, know, guess what? I'll be reborn tomorrow morning, and we'll have this big Matrix type uh, scene in one night. Right. So I, so I have, I have a, a thought on that. I have, um, I've been pondering this actually ever since I've read this, and I've, I'm also reading all the titles right now in Dawn of X. So there's a lot going on in that as well. Mm-hmm. And I think if you think about it individually, yeah, it's kind of, it, it, it's kind of. Uh, a terrible kind of little, uh, I guess, like, peace that anybody can live, right? Yeah. Anybody can, like, you can just literally, I feel like killing myself today. Exactly. They'll revive me. It's all good. Exactly. But here's the thing. When you take into account that if any one of the five mutants are dead or any part of this breaks. Well, they're the most for example, important people. So, so you know? I mean, let's say one of the five get killed and they still get revived somehow. Let's figure that out let's say cerebral's like the helmet gets destroyed xavier gets killed if any one of these pieces um of the important pieces to revive the mutants Mm -hmm. is dead not only do the mutants stay dead but the idea of krakoa and this entire future is gone so when you weigh it against what they're trying to achieve which hasn't been achieved fully yet but it's only the beginning of this whole new mutant nation Mm -hmm. um it's no longer for me it's no longer so much like man you know what they can like if cyclops dies he just comes back it's all good it's that's like now like kind of like a small thing like i don't care if they die and they come back what i care about more now is whether no 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 is whether the idea of krakow as a nation works or not yeah and that only works if this works so i see the whole future of this is like like Xavier, the X-Men, everything is just, their whole focus now is just protecting the five and protecting this whole, you know, mutant life redundancy no, thing that, that they got. That. Just to protect the idea of Krakoa. And that's why I said I'm playing devil's advocate yeah. here because, you know, it, it's something that you've heard in other places where it's like there's no stakes anymore. You know what I'm saying? No. Because now anybody can come back. And listen, before X-Men's have, X-Men the mutants have died and come back, right? So it's not like we haven't seen this before. But now it's just like, oh, it's super easy. Right, but to me, I, just to, to jump on Wolfie's point, it, the, the thing of it is, is that really it's now about them keeping this uneasy peace between every mutant on the planet. And we see that get tested a little bit 
in the next couple of issues to kind of drive the point home that there are going to be problems with this system that they have in Krakoa. And now it's about the survival of, like, like you said, the idea of Krakoa. Yeah. Um, and it, it's bigger than individual mutants dying and being reborn. Now it's about this, again, this uneasy peace staying stable throughout, like, however long it takes to defeat the coming threat that we see in year 100 and year 1000. So I have two things. First of all, I love the irony of this situation. For years and years and years and years, they have had to deal with all these losses. Oh, no, Cyclops died. Oh, no, Genosha happened. And then they finally unlock the key to immortality. It's, 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 it's kind of poetic in, in that sense. But to speak to um, your question... Um, I kind of have experience with this. Um, so, in supernatural, in supernatural, uh, I knew that was coming. I yeah, was, yeah, had exactly. to come. Uh, it's always supernatural. Go on, the supernatural. No, I'm joking. <laughs> in supernatural, the main characters die all the time. That's because they suck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have their moments, but, you know, whatever. So, there, there is, I, I can see where that is, but I think that what Wolfie said was also a valid point. Because if that was the case in the show, yes, they always find a way. But the point is, will they always find a way? Will there always be a way to just come back? Like, if one of those people die... That's it. So it's not so much that it it kind of lessens it. It'll, in a sense, I can see how it does. But like, you also have to consider these other factors. Like, I mean, you're still feeling death. First of all, like Moira's died how many times? She felt every single one of them. Yeah, that that's has true. a lasting yeah. impact on her character. How is that going to yeah. play? on these mutants going forward. I mean, Wolverine is still feeling he's being completely incinerated and Cyclops is still being shot point blank. You know, like that stuff is still like very, very traumatic. Yeah, traumatic, yeah. Wait, hold on. So there's also that factor at play. Can't they just reincarnate more? Wait, you know how Moira had... Does she have infinite? No, her... As far as we know, it's not infinite. So then they could no, just reincarnate yeah. her like over and over again. Hmm. Oh god. Oh. Interesting. We didn't think about that actually. Maybe that's maybe that's what uh um what is it uh destiny it meant that like maybe eleven. I haven't seen past that. Hmm. Maybe that's what she was talking about. She's in her tenth life, but they can maybe just keep like backing her mind up, and then maybe that's how she lives on from now on. That's a lot of data to back up. Because she's, she's dealing with 10 lives, right? Yeah, that's 10 true. 10 11 lives and stuff. Yeah, I guess. That's an interesting reality, thought, though. Yeah. You know, so yeah. um, that's a really good point. I did want to also point out, like, this one scene. This is my favorite, actually, uh, page from uh, this issue. Uh, before we get into our reviews and everything. And this is the page. This is the uh, scene right before Apocalypse and all the villains come to Kokoa. Uh, to me, it's interesting to see that meeting at the gate is Xavier... Xavier, uh, Magneto, and Wolverine. 
um, for a couple reasons, right? For me, this shows me who the actual, like, kind of the fathers of this nation are. You know, you would think that Cyclops would be there, but if I remember correctly in the first issue, you also saw, you know, kind of just a hint of Xavier, uh, Magneto, and Wolverine um, on the island, kind of as like the, I guess, the gatekeepers of the island, literally. Over here, we have that represented literally. Um, and I like this page because aside from showing that like little kind of connection between Wolverine, Magneto, and Xavier, uh, we also have a really important piece of dialogue here. And I'm going to read it to you guys. So Wolverine facing the gates awaiting Apocalypse and everybody, all the other villains come through, says, you sure about this? It's not too late to change your mind. And he's talking to Xavier here. Xavier replies, an opportunity to change is exactly what I'm offering, Wolverine. And Wolverine says, Chuck, I got to tell you, when you talk like that, it kind of, I, sorry, when you talk like that, I kind of want beat, to uh, beat you to death. Some people are beyond saving. And then Magneto, showing his maturity and, you know, further cementing that he really is all about this, he inserts himself and says, if that were true, would you be here? And would I be here? And that to me tells me all I need to know about like what the whole this whole thing is that like they're representing here that everything that they're doing is bigger than just any individual mutant, which is why to me the 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 resurrection thing of the mutants mm -hmm. isn't that big of a deal to me because this shows the gravity of what they're trying to do. It's such a big thing to to them to have this island nation. Um, and bringing all the mutants together that even Magneto Magneto's the one that's imparting wisdom to Wolverine on humility so um, of all people just like your scene was right before uh, how they started um how all the villains came to Krakoa mine's is right after Krakoa uh, and it's actually <laughs> Krakoa uh, it's actually my second favorite scene and it's just it's literally just um what's his face? Oh apocalypse <coughs> Apocalypse just Al Sabanur man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just apocalypse standing like right under like a fleet of birds just swirling around. Actually that's important. So yeah. here's why this is important. That is Krakoa's response to Apocalypse's arrival to Krakoa, right? Because yeah. Krakoa can't speak, at least not to anybody yet, you know? Yeah. So Krakoa doesn't, fit, like, actually verbally speak. You only kind of feel its emotions. And the way that the emotions are being represented here on the arrival of Apocalypse, for which Krakoa owes its life to because Apocalypse had defended Krakoa eons ago, is these doves swirling above head to show the gratitude that Krakoa has to meeting Apocalypse again. Get that you get that interesting look by Magneto, you know, that he's like, What the heck is going on? Yeah, Magneto is like, What the hell? Exactly. I would love to see this 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 part actually animated. So mm -hmm. all right, so that concludes the uh three episode three issue arc here. What did you guys think? I mean, I think that like you know, before we were kind of rating the art, but the art's been so amazing across the board. I don't see like, you know, it's not even a no-brainer. Yeah. The art's amazing. But let's go around 
Uh, what did you guys think? Give us your ratings on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 to 5 uh, being the uh, um, maybe read it. Don't bother if you don't really care for it. You know, consider reading it. 6 to 10 being definitely read it. Consider putting it into your collection. I don't think anyone here is going to be rating anything under a 5 or even <laughs> under a 6, but we'll see. I'm looking um, at you, Eli. Yeah. So uh, this so time, let's go left to right. All three? Or so these three. Issue? Well, no, these three together, these three right? Together, so that's okay. three, because it is kind of like a little bit of a three-part arc. So mm -hmm. AJ, thoughts and rating. So I'm going to be pretty consistent. I'm going to give this uh, a nine out of, out of ten. Um, resurrection was a really big element to add, like... At first, I didn't know what to think of it because I was like, okay, so they're immortal now. That's uh, it's pretty overpowered. <laughs> How, how's that going to play? But as I was mulling it over this episode and giving like my take on it, I kind of amended myself a little more because, you know, that sure, they'll die, but they'll also carry with them the trauma of that death. Because it seems like Xavier isn't going... Uh, you know, maybe let's squeegee this out so that maybe they don't have to deal with this. It looks like he keeps everything. Um, the other thing, yeah, the art's really amazing. I liked the little apocalypse on Krakoa history that we got. And just just the Sinisters, man. Amazingly funny. <laughs> I won't help you, but I will. <laughs> Not so we got nine though. from you, Walt. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go similar. Um, I think this three issue arc, so to speak, it has everything. You got the action, you've got the world building, you've got some levity and comedy put into it. Um, like you said, I don't even think we have to go into the artwork because these artists are killing it on the on these books. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know. It, you'll find a little bit of everything that you would want in these three books. So for me, it's a nine out of 10. Um, I gotta say, this was one of my favorite um, comic books. And I gotta... What? Yeah, this this one. Um, Are we gonna see more than a seven? <laughs> oh my God. More than a 10. The three issues? More than a 10? Yeah. More like a 10. No, 20. Out of 10. Oh, 20 out of 10. Well, that's not I possible. Really, so really let's really round down to 10. <laughs> okay, so then 10. 10 out of 10. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. 10 out of 10. Uh, Jose? Okay. Um, that was abrupt. I'm going to do it again. Uh, even though I don't often give out 10s, I'm going to give another one out. Because I said this is my favorite three issues of the series. I already said that the first three issues... Uh, were a 10 for me. Um, this, I mean, the moments in this, amazing. You have, obviously, all the great moments on the assault on the mother mold, all the X-Men dying. You have your great moments with Sinister. Fantastic moments with Sinister. Um, and then you have your fantastic reveal as to why the, why there were mutants coming out of, like, freaking eggs in one of the earlier issues. Yeah, yeah. An amazing reveal that, like, like you said, makes gold balls pretty important. Um, I wouldn't say 
more important than Moira, but maybe close to or on the level. So that's a huge reveal. And then obviously the apocalypse moment is phenomenal. One of the best moments in like comics in recent memory, I would say even. Um, so, and you know, again, not much to say about the artwork. Phenomenal across the board. Um, just fantastic. Yeah, a 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 for me. I, I loved it. You know, loved I'm going to go ahead and agree and say that it's a 10 out of 10 because I found absolutely nothing wrong, obviously, in these three issues. Each one of the issues was perfect uh, for me. I mean, even even though the, uh, the you know, Powers 4 still has, like, the, the difficult-to-understand, um, you know, year 1000, yeah, yeah. I think that, like, obviously, like, in hindsight, now that I think about it, we're not really meant to understand the future because we don't know what happens within the thousand years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how are we supposed to understand what's going it's on? So, like, giving years. us the info... Yeah, it's, they're giving us, Empty you know, space. this future that we're meant to try... Like, we can't really try to understand it if this was real life, you know? If this was real life and we got given a, a, uh, a newspaper that was released on this day but a thousand years later there's no way that we could you know read that newspaper and understand what's going on right so i'm treating that this the exact same way where i i i'm beginning to understand and learn more about it even though i don't fully get it yet right um so i don't want to penalize it uh for not being able to understand something that i'm not supposed to mm -hmm. make sense so if I take sure. that out of it, I don't see where there's anything in any of these three issues that would take away a ten. The art, the writing, the dialogue, the pacing, um, the 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 placement of the comic relief of Sinister was amazing. Placing that at the beginning of Powers Four, right at the end of the horrific House Four. So that's um, a really I good it was point. Really, really important, and because of that, because of things like that, like the decisions that they made to do it that way, um, gives it's it's easy ten out of ten. I mean, I'm pretty sure I know where I'm going when it comes to the overall series here, uh, but yeah. So that's where I, that's where I stand on this. So um, that is this uh, third episode of our House of X Powers of Ten uh, review. Um, Stay tuned. We got just one more episode coming up a week after this. Yes. And, then, and then we uh, will go back to our regularly scheduled program. So, yeah, without further ado. So, once again, as always, thanks for joining us out there. All y'all Get Geek fans out there. Uh, rate, share, subscribe. Check us out on, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, send us some comments, some likes, some shares on Facebook on Instagram, on Twitter, um, and once again, from the entire crew, uh, as always, thanks for joining us. I'm Jose. Wolfie. This is AJ, still moderately undistinguished. This is Walt. Um, Eli. Thank you, so that we can finally sign off. Peace. Lady y'all, stay geeky.